This is episode number 208 of the Rising Man podcast with Shems Hartwell. Even healed wounds leave scars. What's up, Rising Man family? Thank you for being here today. Jetty Azuma here again for another episode of the Rising Man podcast. Man, such an honor. What a, what a great job I have. I love sitting down and having these conversations with all the amazing guests that come through our way and Man, I just had to had to drop that little bit of gratitude in there before we get started. Before I introduce my guest today, I want to remind you guys that we've got another round of Compass coming up in June, June 17th through the 25th. We're going to go out for a four-day solo wilderness rites of passage. If you have no idea what Compass is or a rites of passage or an initiatory experience, go to risingman.org slash compass and find out what it's all about. We're just over halfway full and we're going to be filling up in the next few weeks, so you can apply at risingman.org slash compass and get more information there as well. Okay, our guest for today is Shems Hartwell, coming back for a second episode after, I, gosh, I don't even know, a couple of years now. It's been a while. Shems has been honing and sharing his craft for 20 years. He is mentored with some of the most influential, influential teachers in the fields of coaching, healing, relationship, and transformation. He's a licensed acupuncturist, certified coach, relationship guide, and Qigong teacher. He blends his experience and knowledge into a unique way of coaching and mentoring that is on the leading edge of the human potential movement. Shems is also a passionate athlete, gardener, and musician, living with his beloved wife, Akintia, on the beautiful island of Maui. In this episode, Shems and I discussed the up level, embracing the stretch, Shems's big leap into stewardship of land, and how to own it when you can't hold it. That's a quote right there from Shems. Own it when you can't hold it. I love that. Shems shared the reality to overcoming being a lone wolf. You're going to be alone at times, so be prepared. We also spoke about the scary pinnacle of leadership, the loneliness of becoming the creator of your own destiny. The last line of defense, the buck stops with you big, big topic. The choice point of staying in the challenge or shutting down and escaping. We also dissected the challenge of being adults with childhood programming and how we can overcome that. Lastly, we talked about becoming who we are through the stretch, whether we hit our targets or not. This and so much more, but without further ado, Shem's Hartwell. All right, Rising Man family, I got another amazing guest making a return appearance. We, we decided it was about two years since he's been on the show, but I got Shems Hartwell here live with me coming in from Maui. Shems, good to see you, man. Jetty, happy to be here dropping in with you again and catch up again, brother. It's so good. Even just hopping on with you, I'm already like, oh, so good to feel you and connect with you. Uh, yeah, I love that feeling. That's one of my favorite feelings is when I jump in, I'm looking across the screen at somebody and I'm like, ah, I get to just speak with this man for the next 45 minutes. It <laughs> feels good. Yeah. Um, th those who don't know you either for not ever hearing your name or because they haven't tuned into the podcast or they tuned in later and didn't hear your episode. The last episode we had, I actually refer back to that one quite a bit. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't even tell you this, but a huge realization came in for me during that one. The whole, we got into this conversation about fathers and fatherhood and father archetypes. And the thing that came through for me was realizing that every man who I've witnessed in my life has either given me something I want to become more of or something I don't want to become more of that has shaped this archetypal character that now I get to become. It's like this work of designing the man that I want to be having witnessed all of these other examples and now becoming that man. That was such a huge insight mm. for me. And we, we went really deep on that. I don't know if mm. that rings a bell from our last conversation. 
I do. I remember that a bit where we, we either absorb qualities we resonate with, or we actually have a version to certain ones that we don't become. Right. I, I do remember us talking about that. Yeah. It was huge. So every, every time mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now I'm teaching that or offering that to somebody else, I always say, yeah, I was having this conversation with this great guy named Shems. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's when I decided to reach back out to you. I was just sharing that with somebody and they're like, who's Shems? I was like, oh, he's this great guy. In fact, I should reach <laughs> out to him and <laughs> see if he mm-hmm. wants to be on the podcast again. So let this be your reintroduction to the rising man community here, Shems. And in, in the time since you've been here, I used to ask the question, what's the difference between a boy and a man, but I'm more interested now in what does it mean to be a man to you? Mm. You know, the immediate surge that comes into me as I hear that is it feels like being able to hold greater and greater responsibility with more and more ownership. That feels like growing into manhood for me, it's like, you know, we stretch into all these sort of things and we have these ideas we want. And then we have the actual traction we have to get to be able to sustain, whether that's a wife or being a father or holding a business or showing up in our community. And I feel like for me, the initiation of manhood, one of them is like, like being able to be consistent, to hold a lot and to own when we can't, mm-hmm. you know, on some level to own when I can't hold it, you know, and that I'm, you know, I'm falling short or I'm not meeting what's there. And I think adding to that also the ability to meet the inner critic in a way that doesn't stop us from fully participating and showing up in our lives. Cause yeah. I think a lot of us know also like in, in the growing of manhood in me, there's so many ways the inner critic would shut me down and I would not participate. I either pulled away from a relationship. I would pulled away from friendship. I'd, I'd stop participating in a business thing or something because something inside of me was interrupting that. And I feel like part of my growth in manhood was being able to meet that notice it, acknowledge it, but then lean in again and show yeah. up again, you know, like stay on the mountain a little longer when everything in you is like, I'm out of here. This is too much. I can't take it anymore. It's like, I, okay, all that's here and I'm staying anyway. Mm. Yeah. Which I think is one reason why people love cold plunging so much. And, <laughs> and some of these very, very obvious and simple physiological challenges we have where it's like, just stay in the cold a little longer or, may, or even a sauna, right? Just stay in the heat a little bit longer. Just one more rep when you're at the gym, because mm. there is something in us that knows that's the only way that we can stretch and grow. You said something in there. I love, you said, own it when I can't hold it. I was like, oh man, dude, that's gotta be like my mantra for, <laughs> for the next stretch of time. <laughs> and I think it's the missing piece that mm. a lot of these conversations about overcoming our fears and overcoming our doubts, it, it, it most, in most cases, I don't actually hear people saying that because we assume that, yeah, you got to face the fear. You got to slay the dragon. Mm. But what about when I don't think I can? What do I do then? What do I do when no matter how much I try to build myself up, I I literally don't have it in me Mm -hmm. to raise my sword and slay the dragon. Super relatable because this is, I went through this experience just in the past two months. I was telling you a little bit about it briefly before we started recording, but actually feeling that place that despite all of the tools and all the experiences I've gathered up to this moment, I literally didn't feel like I could muster the strength to raise my sword. What then? What then? Mm -hmm. And so- First from you, man, what do you do in those moments when you're just like, I, I don't know if I can hold this. I don't think I can. Yeah, I think that's where mentors come in too. Because you know, if you look at all the hero's journeys, whether that's Luke Skywalker or some other realm, there's part of me as is like humbling is I got to lean on others at times when I'm hitting an edge. This is too much. I'm overwhelmed or I'm, or I'm falling short in some way. And if I, if I reach out to someone I trust, who's not just going to like you know, give me a bunch of bullshit. It's going to actually meet me and challenge me and, and maybe even reflect to me of what I don't see and what I don't know. And I think you and I both know this being a men's work for a while is that 
one of the things we're all doing as men is learning how to actually utilize community and brotherhood in healthy ways versus being that kind of lone wolf trying to like slay the dragon out of the woods alone and bring the home, the bounty back to the world. Whereas I don't think we can do much that alone. We got our own inner journey, but all of us in some ways, we, we need these pillars in our lives of someone we can lean on when all of a sudden the doubt, or we're just not feeling the vitality and we need something to kind of build our fire back up, you know? And to me, I've got that. I've got like four or five resources of folks that I trust so thoroughly to just open myself up and say, here's what I'm meeting. Here's what's here for me. Like, what do you see? Or like any, anything there for you or, or then ask me just the right questions to have me look and feel differently into what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I think even that gets to go a level farther now, uh, because men's work, we all we've we've seen it on memes and reels everywhere now that you got to go, you got to take off your mask, got to lean on your brothers, you see guys mm-hmm. holding each other and crying. And that's beautiful, because that's, that's really what it looks like. But still, I still see people in these men's circles, and these men's organizations getting comfortable at putting the mask back on without even knowing it probably like it's, it's very insidious because we've done that for longer than we've done this. <laughs> we've done that to survive longer than we've taken off the mask and really shown our, our ugly and revealed our mess. You know, that's what, that's one of the things that I like to really remind guys to do is every opportunity for you to present your mess, to show your ugly to another man is an opportunity to drop in a, a level deeper with each other and really get the support you need. Cause it's not complicated. As soon as I start talking about the things that I'm going through out loud with another man who knows me, mm-hmm. it immediately softens. It immediately starts mm-hmm. to shrink. That huge, scary monster that I didn't want to face starts to become smaller, but I still forget that. It's mm-hmm. so easy to forget that that's on the other side of just having that first conversation. Hey, I'm, I'm in over my head right now. I actually don't even know where to go. Can we have a conversation? I'm with you. It's almost like we're shining sunlight on it. You know, I think sunlight does two primary things, either makes things grow or it starts to dissolve them or burn them up or break them down. And it's like when we put something in the light, especially shared with someone else, it's like it loses some power. It loses some of its... Sometimes I think of it's like unconscious energy that locks us into a certain mindset and we bring it out to the open and put it in the light. We've got like more ability to meet it in different ways. And I, I think you and I could also say there's this art of like, sharing everything and every little story or every little worry and every little stress, or then there's like really sharing the things that are an edge where we could have support. And some folks go the other side where they're overly vulnerable, overly sharing, kind of like sharing so much that it keeps them actually in a bit of a disempowered state mm-hmm. where they don't have their own inner triumphs or growth edges. And there's that sweet spot, right? Of how, how much do I, you know, cover my own ground and stretch myself and do the things that, that get me kind of up the mountain. Mm-hmm. And when do I actually look around for support? And I think that's also an edge for men's work right here too, because some men are just coming in so cracked open and broken, but they're also, they've lost their backbone a little bit. They've lost their, their, their center line and their, their authority goes outside themselves. And they think that the circle or the men's work is going to heal them mm-hmm. rather than being a catalyst for them to heal themselves. You know? Yes. Yeah. And bear with me for a second. Cause I think you're on to an even bigger pattern that I see. I got to like, work it out because I've never actually <laughs> said this out loud to somebody else, but there's some, something that I see in, in just the personal development space in general is that folks who are new to this or folks who are really students of and trying to learn and embrace things are looking for the, the, the golden nugget. Give me something that I can latch onto and then just take that and carry it forward as far as I can. Some of those things, especially in the men's space is don't be a lone wolf right? You spent your whole life being a lone wolf, find your brotherhood, find your pack, lean on your men. When in reality, 
although even though it's beautiful and I'd say the same thing, <laughs> I tell people the same exact thing. <laughs> the reality is, is that we're still going to be doing most of our lives by ourselves, especially in the world we live in right now, more times than not in your day, you're going to be by yourself. You're going to have those moments where there's not somebody right there to reach out to. You're going to call, you're going to pick up the phone and you're going to get somebody's voicemail. So how do we prepare ourselves for those moments? And the bigger thing I'm seeing is that we can't just take these, these messages that become memes and, and quotes that people like latch onto and carry forward and just make that the only reality that there is. There's, there's more, there's more nuance and subtlety to it. And so yes, while it's really important and, and I've gotten so much value and benefit from knowing when and where to lean on these men in my life, just like you were saying, I also know that there's times where I've, I've got to be able to be self-sufficient too. I got to be able to find ways to lean on myself and to be able to source that strength and confidence for myself. So I wonder if that resonates for you or if you see something similarly to that. Beautifully said. Absolutely. It's almost like if, if I use the analogy of being a musician, being a guitar player, it's like I get some support with things, but then I'm on my own to kind of work those out and explore and grow my capacity with whatever that is, like playing chords or learning new scales and things. And then at a certain point, I hit a certain edge. And it's like, oh, cool. I could use some more support or some more inspiration or some realm there. And I kind of feel like it's like that with even I see people in the ayahuasca community or different medicine communities, or even in the men's work world, it's like, yeah, we go touch in and we deeply connect and we do our work. And then we've got our own growing into to do with that. I think too, of like, how do I apply that to my, my marriage? How do I apply that to my work and life? And how do I grow into the things I just got inspired by or touched by, or the gem I did receive or the healing I did do? How do I integrate that so that in my world, that's become applicable and something I'm actually embodying and living. And if I start hitting some glitches, then you know what? I need to like reach out again and explore that deeper with someone or get back in the community in some way to help discover it. That's one way I think of it. Right. Yeah. And, and it makes me think of the the victim creator dynamic, where one of the ways to, to find our ways out of victimhood is to become the creator of our reality and the narrator of our story, which again, is not something groundbreaking, right? A million people have said that at this point. But when you actually break that down, when you actually look at that, a, a huge challenge comes up in my life. The, the, the victim is the one who feels small, who also looks for somebody else to go and solve the problem. You know, and I might disguise it as I'm reaching out for help. Oh, I'm reaching out to somebody who knows how to do this better than I do, but my ego really wants them to just tell me exactly what to do. It's not, it's like, I don't want to learn how to fish. I want you to just give me a fish. <laughs> I'll watch you do the fishing, right? I'll even load the, the bait on your line, but I want you to do that for me because it's, it's easier. It hurts less to learn that way, but to be the real creator, of that means mm -hmm. where do I go to source enough information so that I learn how to do this? Then I can be the one who helps somebody else in that situation. And it's, I think people will really understand it. Again, it's not something that I think is intellectually groundbreaking, but it is a nuance that I think gets missed in these greater, you know, overarching conversations we're having around growing up and becoming an adult. Yeah, well said. I, I so agree. And I think the folks that did it, but like what I would call mentors and guides, most of the time they've taught me through questioning and inviting me to listen versus, you know, handing me a fish, like you said, or handing me some knowledge or handing me some wisdom. They're actually like, you know, they're kind of challenging me to really get more connected to something I already know. And I find myself as I've been, you know, teaching more and guiding more, especially with the one on one work, is I feel like my role more and more is to help 
invite out the, the deepest knowing and wisdom in somebody I can so that once they're connected to that, they're on they're, they can be on their own and they're not looking for something outside to inspire, you know? And I feel like that's what I think is the leadership track for most of us too. Like the world's inviting everyone to step into leadership at some point, instead of having these kind of like particular leaders on the edge, they're usually grown up boys, you know, who aren't really living from an embodied, evolved sense of like servitude to a greater whole. They're often still a little bit in a self-preservation mode, mm-hmm. you know? And, yes. and so we're all being called to actually step into leadership. I mean, the, the movement in Canada right now is really beautifully powerful that way. Like you could call truckers one of the, lower rings in the working class, like in a certain level of job wise. And and yet they're leading this beautiful movement with so much like heart and intentionality and, and warrior energy and devotion and commitment in the middle of like winter, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of gold in that. There's some shadow of course, of how people are judging and attacking, you know, Trudeau or whatever, but there's also a lot of beautiful gold of like people just stepping up and going, you know what? I have, I've got everything, nothing to risk now. I'm just all the way in. Yeah. I don't know if you've been tracking that too. It's very, yeah. I, you know, I haven't dug into the the depth of to really understand what's going on there, but I've appreciated the same thing uh, that you have. And and when you really tease out some of the details of that story, you're like, wow, yeah, that's that's really some committed energy, right? Like that warrior energy that's coming through, especially in a in a country like Canada. You know, I know I work with a lot of Canadian folks, and I know that one of the things they'll admit it too that there's that nice guy policy up in Canada of being so polite, so unintrusive, not rocking the boat energy that Canadians are so accustomed to. So to see the integrity that they've brought with that warrior online, the, the assertiveness without being a dick is really inspiring. Yeah. Um, but I, and, and that's obviously we can go on and on about that, but there's something I want to capture here at, that you were just reminding me of, mm-hmm. I think is really, really important. There's, and it goes back to the fatherhood archetype, right? So kind of building off of this piece we had from last time, that time in your, in our lives, uh, when, whenever this happens, where we realize that even if your parents are still around, even if your father's still around, that you can't depend on your parents or somebody else for something, that you are the the end of the road. It comes what it comes down to is me and my decision making power. Of course, there's always going to be resources. There's always somebody you can go and ask for an opinion or ask to help you work through something. But at the end of the day, there's that moment in life where it's like, oh, it it ends with me. It ends with me here. That is like the scary pinnacle of, of leadership, right? I would even look at it as a, as an actual threshold, a rite of passage mm-hmm. where I am seeing myself as that person who is, who is driving the ship. And it's, it, it's, it, sometimes it's, it's an exciting place, but more often than not, I've experienced it as a very scary place. Like, Oh man, like I can't count on my dad for that. Oh my God. Or, you know, the, the guy on my men's team who is like a father to me, I can't count on him for that. Damn. It's up to me. Whoa. And I don't think people talk about that place enough because it's something that occurs once we've already kind of got some things in life together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, beautifully said, brother. And I so know those, those times in my life, even though I probably, my father wasn't the best role model. I had maybe some other folks that were a little more healthy for me, but that sure. time when it's like, you feel a little bit alone that all of a sudden I can't like check in on somebody else or, or just ask them for what should I do? And and I think that responsibility is also one of the first really big leaps, as Gay would say, Gay Hendricks would say, like, that's one of the first big leaps of like, I'm having to leap into what I do know, even though I've outsourced that as a young one, you know, as a young buck in the world, I've outsourced like, oh, I trust him. I trust his guidance. I trust this person's guidance. And at some point, there's always that stretch, like in a rite of passage or on the mountain in a, in a sacred journey. Mm-hmm. At some point, you have to connect with that. And I think the 
the more we like step into responsibility of like fatherhood or, or owning a property, like you and I started talking about before the show, like the property that we bought here, it's like that stretch increase. It, it involves so much responsibility and so much holding that it almost always has a certain component of like fear. What if I fail? What if I drop the ball? What if I make the wrong choice? And it's almost mixed in there. The bigger the responsibility, the equal is of all the things that can sneak in to kind of sabotage a little bit of our trust. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's migrate back to the conversation you and I were having before we started recording because it was something we could both relate to. That's mm-hmm. it builds on this. You know, I'll go first. The the winter kicked my ass. <laughs> Literally once, like after winter solstice, everything in my life started is like we, we threw it on the spin cycle and life was just boom, 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 mm. pounding us. Mm. Um, stressful times through the holidays, financial challenges for my wife and I, um, just one thing after the next, not going the way I expected it to. Mm. So those busted expectations, when you invest a little bit of hope and faith into something and then just a sequence of them. You get let down. That happened over and over again. Mm. We got COVID for the second time when we were traveling to Austin and then four subsequent viruses when we came back from traveling over the course of six weeks, topped it all off with food poisoning that I got right at the end of it. Like we were were straight up, man, we were going through a journey. Right. And what I want to describe more so is the feeling that was coming up for me during Mm. this. Obviously, Illness is one thing, but stress and anxiety, the the torment of physiological effects from stress and overwhelm, I I felt it in a way I'd never felt before. I was routinely waking up every single night between two and three in the morning, just my eyes bulging out of my head and my heart pounding, like, like I was already running a race and somebody was after me. And then the tightness in my chest, I've never had tightness in my chest or shortness of breath. And I was like, what's going on? What, What is this all about? And I, I realized it was just all of the tr- stress and overwhelm that I was under because I was unknowingly being pushed into this next level of growth. It was like I was being squished up against the wall and either I'm going to get crushed or I'm going to climb and reach and pull my way out of it. But then I'm going to end up in this place that I've never been before and I don't know how to navigate. And when you were describing your journey, man, I was like, oh, you were talking about trying to find the grace, trying to, you know, be with the stretching while your whole body is expanding. And it's such a beautiful image. And I've definitely had moments of experiencing that. But honestly, the majority of the beginning of this journey was really uncomfortable. Like I wanted to like rip my skin off sometimes because I felt so uncomfortable in my body. So I want to speak to that first because I don't think enough guys hear men who appear to be doing well and following their vision and purpose, having those experiences still. Thank you, JD. And could you share a little more too of like, how'd you get through that? Like what happened? What helped you? What was your guiding light through that? Cause that does sound like a lot, you know, that was like one yeah. on top of another, on top of another, which is like one of those like crazy storms in life. huh? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I could say that I really leaned on the tools that I've acquired over the years, right? Like uh, things we've already spoken about. I, I talked to every single man who I trust in my life. Mm-hmm. I spoke to other people outside. You know, I talked to other coaches. I talked to women. I talked to my parents. I talked, I literally talked to everybody who knows me mm-hmm. well to, to just get as much perspective as possible, to source as much perspective as possible. I wasn't looking for advice. Sometimes I was, sometimes I really wanted somebody to just tell me what to do. Like I was mentioning before, <laughs> but ultimately I was just sourcing perspective. And I I can honestly say I had 40 or 50 different conversations with different people over the span of four weeks. 
and really got to, to the depth of some things. I was uncovering mm-hmm. old, old mm-hmm. wounds around, around money, around trusting people, around trusting myself, about you know what happens when I start making more money than my parents ever did. Deep stuff that I was like, where, where did this come from? I didn't even know it was there. So the way I got through it was by going through it, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest, but in, a, but in a very conscious and aware way. I was really tackling it because I knew mm-hmm. It wasn't just going to go anywhere. These were things that have lived in me forever. So I tackled it head on. I got back to the basics. My just, just mm-hmm. taking care of my own health and physiology. I prioritized physicality and sleep, drinking water, uh, simple things that I'd gotten away from because I was so invested in the hamster wheel. And over time, you know, it's been this kind of like tenuous, I'm good, I'm not good, I'm good, I'm not good. <laughs> but the stretches of good are becoming longer now mm. in between the challenging points. So, so yeah, those are, those are like the, the bullets points of what really got me through it, but it was, it was just my determination not to let that sink me. Yeah. Beautiful. I really appreciate that. Like if I reflect you on that, having that many connections that you reached out to, and obviously your willingness to look at it head on and really like get curious about it. That's mm-hmm. why I'm also hearing to you like, okay, what is this? What's really going Curiosity. on here? What can I, what can I learn from this? That's what I'm hearing you too. Like, and how are you seeing it? And how, and I really, that's what I appreciate too. It's like you, it wasn't just like, oh man, I'm just overwhelmed. I just need to like kind of get over this and push through versus, all right, let me look at this. What can I harvest? Mm-hmm. Where am I, where am I being asked to grow? Cause I think most of the time too, when things start like stacking one thing after another, usually there's a core thing, mm-hmm. like a core growth edge, which I'm hearing you hint at in some ways, there were a few core imprints or beliefs about reality or certain growth edges you were on that like the universe and life and you called all in to create a really hot fire for you have to be with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how I like to, yeah. Well, and I'll take that a step further. It was the the determination to stick with it until the clarity would come through. Right. It's like it's like working through some really complex math problem. You know, I think of like those movies where you see the the chalkboard is full with all the stuff that God knows what the hell are they doing on there. <laughs> and just and just the the tenacity to stick to stick it out and stay curious and stay in it. There was plenty of times where I didn't want to. I just wanted to check out. I just, you know, for a day or two, I just like binge Netflix or I just, you know, escaped to something else that I that I I could see myself escaping and I just didn't know how to be with it. But mm. ultimately coming back to the drawing board, ultimately mm. coming back to what is going on here because it's not going to go anywhere. It's not just yeah. going to disappear. Nobody's going to show up and save me. You know, and I think that goes back to that archetypal moment that we were talking about a bit there too. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I get you. And I, I think that's, I had COVID after um, I got it when I was at the Sacred Suns, staff in Sacred Suns in October, I got home and pretty much the first of November, I'm like, having to stay away from my wife and stay in our cottages around and I'm dealing with COVID. And it wasn't like super gnarly for me and I wasn't vaccinated. And, um, but I felt like anytime something in me wanted to check out, it came in deeper, it came in stronger. And I felt like I was on this vigil breathing into and watching and facing it, like facing every little element. And I could see why people get really sick, at least with the earlier strands of COVID, because it was insidious. It wanted to get into my lungs. It wanted to go in. And I just had to keep breathing into it, looking at it and meeting it with somewhat of a fierce conscious intention of like, I see you. I'm with you. And especially in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep and my whole system was activated. And I felt like I was on a rite of passage. I really saw it that way. And I was like, okay, this is for me. This is really for me. I could see the place in me. It's like, this is grad, bad timing. I'm having to cancel all these things and work and life. And I, my wife's going to Egypt in two weeks, so she can't be exposed to it. Otherwise, she can't travel and lead a retreat. Right. So there were so many things. 
but at the very core, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going through some form of rite of passage here. And can I meet this with as much love, consciousness, acceptance, breath, aliveness? And it never got heavy in me. Other than the fact I couldn't sleep, it was like really stirring my system up, but I just kept it out of my lungs. I kept meeting it. And, you know, in eight days or so, I was like back to 70% or whatever, but I, but I could feel the tendencies, those hints of like, let's just go watch a movie. Let's just go check out. Let's just, let's just, you know, of course, sleeping was the way of trying to drop in, but there was, I could just watch those places where there's that choice point of like, I either stay present and meditate into this or something me wants to turn off and shut down. And I'm not saying that's wrong or bad. But I knew if I did do that on some level, I would lose some ground. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The loss of ground or just delaying the inevitable, right? It's like, you can, you can do that for as long as you want. And that's the reality too, is you can, many people do. Many people yeah. survive in this world and they live long lives and they do it by punting the problems further down the road. Mm -hmm. But, and this is where to me, there's another just simple truth is that you can only su suppress those problems for so long and in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. This is why we're in the midst of an opiate and substance abuse crisis, yep. right? This is why yep. we have re alarming rates of depression, anxiety, suicide, alcoholism, mm -hmm. fill in the blank, right? This is the reason why we're glued to our technology mm -hmm. because there are some of those deeper things. And in this case, you know, I, a, a lot of my former vices I, I've overcome and I don't go back to those things, but I was definitely escaping into the the technology and how easy it is to just like say, oh, I'll save, I'll save that for later. I'll put that off a little bit longer when there were these things pending underneath the surface that needed to oh. be faced off with. And days where I honestly just didn't want to, but mm -hmm. I knew that if I did it, it's just going to go on. It's just going to continue to be this way, man. And I, and I just didn't want that. I didn't, I, I didn't want, I didn't want to keep choosing the same pain over mm -hmm. and over again. Well said, brother. And I think also a lot of us too are carrying the pain of our ancestors who didn't have the support or the skills or even the knowledge that you could face and feel your feelings. So they got passed down generationally. I think we're all coming into a little more responsibility, realizing like what I don't process and face and meet and deal with on some level, I'm, I'm passing forward to the generations after me. And that's also a powerful responsibility for us to hold of like the more we do our work in some ways and face and burn through our pain and our hurts and deep levels of fear and who knows what else. Mm. On some level, we make the world brighter for the future, you know, and mm. on a micro level, like that's how we clean up pollution in the world on some, you know, there's levels of having to do that on the front line of every level, whether that's water systems and how we do trash and all that. And then there's also the inner pollution of thought story and psychic worlds and worry and stress and fear. And then we've got these devices, like you said, that like this cell phone thing, it's so addictive, mm -hmm. basically like Instagram or whatever it is that it's such a checkout. It's so easy to check out. And then there's all these realities that are fake realities of people in those that I want to be like, or I want to be jealous of, or I have envy of, or I want to mimic and do. And so many young folks are coming to the world where that's their guide. Mm -hmm. That's their teacher. That's their mentor. That's their association. Those are their peers. And of course, the fallout of that is what we're seeing is I have families coming to me in Hawaii here where their kids aren't going to school right now. And, and their parents are terrified because the kids are checking out so much. And then when they take their phone away, the kids are having massive reactivity. Like, I hate you. I never want to talk. You're the worst parents ever. And it's like, and they, how do you meet that as a parent? How do you do that? And so this is a whole yeah. new edge that many parents are facing, as you probably know, right? Oh, totally. Well, and I think it's something that we experience as adults too. And maybe maybe, yeah. we, maybe we have a little bit more mastery and exp expertise in suppressing our emotions, but really children are just 
unfiltered versions of us. And yeah. we, we, I mean, cause I experienced the same thing too. You know, when, when, mm-hmm. when that safety or that comfort is taken away from me, there is a reaction. There's a reactive response. It's like, what do I do now? What do I do now? Because I wasn't ready to go face off with the thing I wanted to, but all of a sudden my security blanket, the, the stone that I was hiding behind is gone. Mm-hmm. And now the dragon sees me again. What do I, what do I do now? <laughs> and, you know, I want to, I want to migrate the conversation back to uh, hearing a little bit more about your experience too, because you were sharing with me this, this massive stretch that you just stepped mm-hmm. to into your life with this property and how it came together. So uh, I'd love to hear the, the real, the real story about what that was like and how you navigated it. Yeah. Thank you. It was just over two years ago, you know, my wife and I started looking for another home on Maui and we were living in a really sweet neighborhood and a very nice home by the coast. And, and it was like, oh, we're ready for the next level. You know, in some ways, like we got neighbors too close and it's just not as private. So we started looking for properties. And, and the short story is that um, this one that we're in now became available and it was a client of mine's home. It was also a huge financial stretch, like mm-hmm. on every single level. And by grace, we were able to qualify for the loan and we got in there. Um, and the second property, she was willing to carry the note for us. We got two properties, like pretty epic high-end Hawaii life here. And it was such a stretch because, um, well, there's an element I didn't tell you. And that's that um, I lost everything in wildfire many years ago with my with my first wife. Mm-hmm. And that wildfire just kind of catalyzed a bunch of change. We lost our dogs. And then my wife met another man. And we had this loving, unweaving our marriage. But I let go of like an absolute dream property I was living at that was like I was stewarding and living with her. And I left that coming to Hawaii, letting go of that marriage and just going, okay, next frontier with this background thought of like, I don't think I'll ever have a home or a property like that. Like some thought of Mm -hmm. me was like, that was a really epic chapter. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to afford that or generate enough to like have a home like that. And, and I wasn't, it wasn't shutting me down. It was just like this inner thought of like, wow, that was a really special chapter of my life. And let me pause Let me pause you for one second. Cause I, I think that's a really interesting point. Uh, like why, why did you start telling yourself that story? I, yeah, because some of the money to buy that house came from her family um, money that was like through some investments. And so there was a bit of that home happened through basically inheritance through on her side. Mm-hmm. And the shadow of that was that because of that inheritance, that money, it also, in some ways I wasn't fully in my power, which is why that relationship needed to kind of, after 12 years together, needed to let go because there was a way I was playing small in that world because in some ways I had something I hadn't fully earned. It's one way to say it. You know, I think a lot of people struggle so with big. that when they, when money comes in from left field and they haven't really had to struggle to have it and all of a sudden they have it. And so I wasn't as fired up about my work, even though I was doing men's work and I was doing my practice acupuncture, but I was also like holding back and surfing and playing music and not really in the fire. And, sure. and because of that, I wasn't totally empowered and I wasn't meeting her fully, you know? So when that, transformed and let go, there was a thought of me of like, I don't know how on my own I'd be able to buy a, you know, two and a half million dollar property or like pull off a dream place. And it wasn't that I didn't believe it was possible. It's just, I had this little thought. I wasn't, I don't feel like I was painting the picture. It wouldn't happen because maybe it wouldn't have then, mm-hmm. but I was watching that there was this thing of like, I'm le- I'm getting comfortable settling for less. Ah, so see. The house I bought was like an $800,000 home by the coast, which was a really nice home and really sweet. And so, but then we were kind of outgrowing it and I did want more and I started to get in touch with my power too. And then we took this huge leap to buy this property. Yeah. And there was a lot of grace for it to happen. But as I got in here, I got more and more scared. I got more and more like, how am I going to take this on? And it has two rental properties. So we got it right before COVID. COVID happens. All of the rental income disappears. Like I have to get back like 20 grand of money. 
we're we're like, how are we going to cover the mortgage? Like, oh my so gosh. Let's, let's pause there for a second, right? Because that's you're you're given the the details. Like, talk about the internal experience, please. <sighs> like, go go back there because because <laughs> that, that's what I can relate to. I, I, I think I just started sweating a little bit because my body's like, I know what that Thank feels you. like, man. That's crushing. So, mind was moving fast. Gut was tight a lot. I was having trouble sleeping. Um, family was visiting too. Her folks and my folks had planned to come visit with us. So they're all staying with our house that we had just moved into too. And like, I'm basically not available too. Like something me was kind of walling off and pulling in and kind of yes. like, um, and moving fast internally, trying to take care of everything. Like for instance, the first week, they come to replace the gas tank and the company breaks the gas line and it's dumping rain and muddy. And I'm having to dig in the gas line. I'm like concerned about having enough money to pay for the repair because we just took on so much to put the down payment down. And I'm just like, I'm digging in the ditch and I'm like pissed. I'm like swearing. I'm like, I'm burning through a lot of energy. And then like, I'm watching myself with my mom. This is a part is I'm watching myself with my mom feel like a little boy who's not going to be okay. So that was in my two, like I had this like familiar feelings, like here I am like a 44 year old man at the time. And I'm feeling my little boy, my mom's visiting and I'm like wanting my mom to hero me. It's like, it was this level that I was like, and my mom couldn't, you know, she's not like my money's mom's not flush with money. And she, so she's like here being with me. And then I have my, my father-in-law too, who's awesome. And like, I'm having him see me in like my deepest vulnerability. Like I'm breaking down at times. I'm like going to dinner with them. And I'm just kind of shut down. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm kind of angry a little bit. I'm like, why did I make this choice? So I'm not connected. And I'm also feeling like shame that like, I, here I am in this big stretch and taking on this thing. I feel a little sad saying it. I felt shame because I think I had so much respect for my father love, who I am in the world and how I've been operating and how I show up. And he's seeing me like basically break down yeah. and staying there. And so my mom's there, my stepdad's there, my brother's visiting who I haven't hung out with for So all this happening at one time. And I'm just like, so, you know, simultaneously, I'm trying to be honest and I'm meeting them and I'm being authentic because what's going on for me. And then I'm at the same time, I'm just like, sometimes I'm taking walks and I'm just needing to digest the fact that like, I'm scared. A lot going on here. I'm calling my bros. I'm calling friends who are like, hey, bro, we know you. We know you've held a lot. Like just breathe in. You know, I'm getting my mentors to step in. So there was a lot going on. And once I started to get some traction too, of like, all right, we're giving back the money. Like I'm going to find some long-term rentals. The Sacred Sun Brothers showed up and they ended up renting our cottages for months at a time, which mm-hmm. came in right when, cause they had rented the property next door right. to do a retreat and right. they ended up staying. And, and so they ended up like doing long-term rental. We had connected with them. We started having some community, which was really cool too, for me, like right at the beginning and yeah. I bring them and we start planting fruit trees together. So then there was something started emergency brother merging brotherhood connection. I got some long-term rentals in our cottage, which is just enough to kind of like cover the very baseline. And, and, um, and I kind of came out of it, but what would, what would happen is I'd have these cycles also just to get totally real is that I was, I had these cycles of a little bit of resentment with my wife Hmm. because like, um, at times when we were jumping into the property, she had, hadn't had a big property before. So she had this idealism about it. And I had this other part of like, I know what this is going to be responsible for, like having five acres and, and gardens and things to cut back and jungle to take care of and lawns to mow and like all the costs and all the things. And then three homes. So I was holding this side of like, this is a lot on a practical level. She's on the side like, wow, how amazing. This is so phenomenal. This is the dream come true. And there's a part of me was like, are you not hearing that there's this other side I'm holding of like, this is going to be a lot. And all my bros, like dearest friends of Maori are like, you sure you want this? Mm-hmm. Like great home, epic place. But are you sure you want this lifestyle? You're like, you're not gonna be surfing anymore. You're not gonna be hanging out with us anymore. You're gonna be taking care of a property. They were like being real with me of like, I know what it takes care, take care of property in Maui. And so I was like, 
no, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. So that was happening while I had it. And then, so I had some, some stuff that her and I had to burn through too, mm-hmm. where like, I really needed her to hear that, like pretty much all the responsibilities on my shoulders, like on a certain level, at least in the management, right. you know, she was generating financially so she could participate in that way, which was really helpful and awesome. But there was a certain like stewarding management role that I have 90% of and still do. And I had to make peace with that. And I had to grow into that again. And I had to choose that again. And the last, the next part tied to that is that reminded me of what I had with my previous wife. So I had to do it differently because in that time, all the responsibilities a little bit got in the way of my availability for our marriage. Wow. Like so much to hold in some ways, it was one of the factors. It was almost like the land and all the logistics of having that property was kind of like a business. So it got in the way of some of our sexual connections, some of our like date nights. It would like, there's all these things to talk about. And I was scared that that was going to happen here too. Mm-hmm. So I had to get really intentional also with her of like, we got to get skillful at this so that this doesn't just take up our reality and we still have the magical, sweet, intimate sharing and and flow that we have together. Cause this is already blocking it for me a little bit, you know? Yeah. I I love that you shared all of that because that is is for for me, at least it's so relatable. And even though I I didn't find myself in exactly the same circumstances of the plot that you did, it's like the, the exact same challenges, the, the intimacy challenges with my partner, the, you know, me being in the same role that you were in, like the, that that feels justified too to be in that realist anchor. You don't understand how, how challenging this is going to be. Why, what is this? Not all rainbows and butterflies and all the other things you said about, you know, being in that dynamic with your mom of like, you know, wanting your mom to just like make everything better and not wanting to make your father-in-law disappointed or however, whatever, however you described it, it's so relatable. And it made me think that the biggest challenge that I'm up against in my life is I'm stepping forward into bigger and bigger adult things. And I'm still contending with my childhood programming that comes online in such a major way. Again, that's not like a groundbreaking thing, but I think it's so easy for me to forget that. So easy for me to, for me to forget that I have these childhood programs Mm -hmm. that don't know how to navigate adult problems, literally don't know. And if I forget that, then all I do is go back to the comforts, right? My, you know, the adult version of sucking my thumb and grabbing my blanket is <laughs> grabbing my cell phone and eating a bowl of popcorn or something like that. And I think if we all, if we look at all these challenges that we face off with through that same lens, it's really easy to understand, oh, if I care about this enough and I've got enough determination and willpower to see it through, there's always a way. That's that's the logical salve for the for the pain. But what it requires is me to go deeper into well, what's really going on, right? What's really causing this pain, this suffering, this hardship? Because mm-hmm. gas lines are going to break, and you're and you're and there's there's going to be big bills to pay, and COVID's going to happen, and and it it's it could be such a, a a hindrance to that. The other part of what I heard was where spirit meets you halfway, mm-hmm. right? Like if you show up and you stay in the game long mm-hmm. enough, somebody's going to move in next door and say, hey, can we rent out your rental properties and stick around for a few months? Help you build, help you plant some fruit trees. Things like that will happen if we can keep our head above the surface long enough to see it, right? Oh, beautifully said, brother. Absolutely. And, I, and this is, I think, where where the the gift is in everything like this too. Whenever there's a big stretch or we take a big risk, whether that's like creating a company that fails, right? Doing a startup and it doesn't make it or they're like in the stretch of that, we become who we are, you know? And I feel mm-hmm. like in this property, it's like I had to stretch in ways I wasn't stretching in my 20s or my 30s that like this, and because of that now it's like, 
two years later, all the stretching, it's like, I can hold all this without stress. I'm going surfing all the time. I'm like doing things I love. I'm able to navigate all of this. And like, now it's like, oh, this feels kind of easy, mm. you know? And I feel the grace of, of having this. So I feel like that has happened in my life, like four or five times, like something that's put me all the way to the edge where I'm pretty much on my knees begging for mercy, you know, like to God, like a little bit. Pause there for a second, man, because that's, that's the place that I I just want to sit there for a minute because to hear another (laughs) man say that he's been on his knees, like begging for mercy, whether you actually were or not. Like I, I definitely felt like I was in that place a couple months ago. All I I wanted was to be like struck down. (laughs) Yeah. And to me, it's also like this place of me that finally kind of surrenders and my will isn't making everything happen. And I'm like, all right, there's more going on that's making this happen than my creative power. Like, that's why I'm not a fan of the secret. Like you create your reality and never love. I think there's spirit comes in and like things happen. Like me having this property, it's like a miracle that I could have the same caliber of property I had in Santa Barbara that I let go of. And I have friends coming up. Like I, I had Gay and Katie Hendricks coming and visiting me not too long ago for lunch. And Gay comes up and he's like, in your past life, you must've been some kind of Tibetan monk that lived way <laughs> up in the mountains somewhere. Cause like, you've got another property that's just like this castle on the hill that you had in Santa Barbara. And he's like shaking his head, like, what is going on here? And something's like, okay, there's some kind of dharmic spirit things. And part of me that, that like begging for mercy and being on my knees and just being kind of broken open, cracked open. And then just going, you know what? I need help. Like I need spirit. I need God. I need my ancestors. I need the forces of my spirit guides or whatever in to like help me navigate something that I don't see how it's going to work. And I think most of us get there, whether it's Jesus, right? Like sharing the deepest thing that's such a best example or Buddha surrendering or any of these rumble. I think we all have those moments where we kind of have to surrender and open to a power that's greater than ourselves. And that can show up in a million different ways. But at some point, Something else has to trust something bigger than us. I think humanity hopefully is getting to a place where we're going to remember that right now, because, you know, with all the climate change things, we're going to a place where we have to surrender to something bigger than what we think of as our intelligence, right? I think in whatever way that you make it to that place and realize that there is only so much that's actually in our control. There's so little, there's so little that I'm actually in control of. In fact, I actually prefer to use the word command because even my body, I'm like, there's things about my body I'm not in control of, right? I can't, I can do my best to command and direct my heart, my heartbeat with my breathing and my mindset, but it's still going to do what it's going to do. So just having some level of command and influence, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's like largely what we're doing is being at the, at the mercy of the ocean. Right? Like that the ocean is going to allow us to do, we can paddle a little bit and try yeah, and ride the currents, yeah. but ultimately we're at the mercy and will of this mm. way larger organism that we get to be a part of. And instead of seeing that as something that is fear provoking, because you know, so much of this colonial manifest destiny mindset is to conquer and to mm. seize control where it doesn't actually exist. It's, it blocks us from this perspective that, hey, it can actually be really thrilling and in mm. fact, fulfilling to be a part of that greater mystery and not know what's going to happen. It's like the people that we see who are just seem to be flying by the seat of their pants. You know, the person who's busking on the side of the street, who think they just seem to ride the wave from one thing to the next. And they actually seem pretty happy. It's, that's always so inspiring to me. You know, I've got an uncle like that who he's deeply invested in the Native American church in the ceremonial mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And just watching how he navigates his life by trusting in that medicine mm-hmm. and in that road, I'm like, whoa, uh, it's inspiring to me because I know there's parts of me that still clings on to that. Well, if I could just grab it in my fist and hold it, then I could feel better about it. 
Yeah. I, I like to call that being in a positive current mm-hmm. that like trust and, and, and the piece I feel like, you know, like you said, the beautiful description of being out in the ocean and that we can paddle a bit, right. And there's waves and swells. What we do have power over every moment, which I think is so important for us, like whether it's doing men's work or relational work is that we have an opportunity to either react or respond again and again. And the difference between those two is massive. Like reacting usually means some form of like shutting down, checking out, being overly responding, overly getting aggressive, defensiveness. Respond is like, whoa, this is coming. Like, all right, how am I going to meet it? How am I going to negotiate this? And I think that's where people you know, live through crazy experiences, whether that's Laird Hamilton in the biggest waves of the world or someone climbing some rock face, they're responding to them changes in every single moment. Or Martin Luther King, for example, he's responding to like being fed by spirit and saying all the things does and then how the world comes at him, mm-hmm. right? He wasn't reacting so much. He was responding very skillfully. And I think that's what we're being asked for all of us too right now is how do I respond to like the challenge in my relationship? How do I respond to the uncertainty in my work. How do I respond to, you know, the the next mountain I've got to climb right in front of me that, to survive, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the last thing I think the clincher is that even when I, I get to the top of that mountain or I saw that curveball and I just like hit it to the gap and and just and had that success that, that victory moment, it's like okay, well then what's the next one? <laughs> what's the next one? Not in, not in this, you know, uh, pessimistic, just, you know, like everything's always going to go wrong. Anything that can go wrong will mindset, but just, just anticipating that there is going to be something that's going to continue to challenge mm. me oh. and, it, and, and to, and to embrace that. And cause there's also, this is another thing I learned about myself. There's still a part of me that wishes that the curveballs are going to stop, that the challenges are going to stop coming that, that somewhere it's like, can we just get a little calm on the ocean for a little while? Just long enough for me to catch my breath. And as soon as I start wishing for that, it's, it's another way that I, 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 I give whatever command I have over myself away. It's right. It's like, I'm, I'm just like, yeah. uh, um, so, so yeah, that, that part of us that wishes it's going to stop and instead embracing it and saying, Hey, it's not going to stop, but it is an adventure and I can enjoy it. I can choose to enjoy it by responding instead of just reacting to the challenge. Oh, that's wisdom right there too, is kind of knowing that there will be something else. Yeah. So let me enjoy that little moment of reprieve or that integration of something I got through. And I think as we get older too, we start realizing we're going to lose friends. Life's going to change. We're going to have ups and downs financially. And we start to do that a little more even keel with a little less volatility in us as far as reacting, but a little more ability to go like, okay, wow, that didn't go well. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Versus I think at early, for a lot of us at younger stage, we get like, I, this is what I experienced in myself is that my dad was so reactive. He couldn't find a parking spot somewhere in San Francisco. He'd start slamming the steering wheel and having these huge fits. And it's like, mm-hmm. that was huge reactivity. So something in my system knows that, like it's familiar. So that I was, in fact, I was out wing foiling yesterday and the wind died while I was like half mile offshore and I couldn't get back up on the foil. And it was a long paddle in, you know, and I'm working it and I'm falling, I'm working. And all of a sudden I just got so pissed. I just had to start roaring like a fuck wild animal. I'm like, all right, this is an appropriate place for anger to move through me. I'm super <laughs> pissed. I've got a lot of work here and I got to burn up some heat. And I'm like, oh, this is my dad's energy. It's still in there. Yes. That place in me that like, it's a little too much. I'm a little, and like someone going by over there heard me and I'm just like, yeah, that's a pretty big like anger fit I'm having right now. And then it moved through me, but I'm also like, that's still in me so deep, even though like I have some shame about it. It's not really how I want to respond to meet something. I want to be more relaxed and just trust the flow and be kind of a Zen Buddhist to get back on that thing and wait patiently for the right wind. But <laughs> well, 
that just reminds me, that just reminds me of something I like to say that even healed wounds leave a scar. Yeah. Right. It's like, we're, we, we, I think we've actually done a disservice by creating this mindset that, oh, I can heal something and be gone and be done yeah. with it. Right. Yeah. It's like that. It's like that expectation that that's not going to come up again. No, man. And that's what scars are for. Right. They remind you of what you survived and what you've found your way through. So, um, man, Shams, this is awesome. I, I really just love the way that this conversation went today. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think I've, I've been really advocating for these real conversations to happen, mm-hmm. especially for men like you, because I have so much respect for the work that you're doing and being mm-hmm. out there, being in front of so many men who I'm sure they look up to you and the life that you've created for yourself. And like, I want some of that mm-hmm. for them to know that a man like you with what you've created, it also gets pissed off at the wind dying <laughs> and, <laughs> and cusses when he's digging, digging trenches to repair gas lines. It, it's, it's so, it's so necessary now, right, man, mm. right now, man. Mm. So thank you for having the willingness to do that and be here today. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks for dropping in with me. I really appreciate dropping in with you and, and hearing your wisdom and being with you. And, and thanks for all you're doing and who you are. Likewise, bro. Uh, before I let you go, I want to make sure everybody who doesn't already know you, they should. If they don't, where do they go to learn more about you and collaborate with you, work with you? I know you got a lot of great stuff going on in the islands there. Yeah, I have a website, shemshartwell.com. And then I got a group of men and I've been working together on the Navigator Project, which is a little bit more of like a group work for men, whether it's going to be retreats more and more, but also online programs. We've got multiple facilitators and that's starting to birth. And lastly, we've got this epic Airbnb at our property at Starlight Sanctuary. And I'm bringing couples to do private intensives with me or even individuals at times. So I'm doing a lot more like couple and one-on-one work, being able to people to come to our sanctuary do super deep work, have a sacred space to kind of be in, and then to go do adventures on the, on the land, on the island. So that's been really full and exciting for me right now doing that. Wow. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. make sure that uh, for anyone who's listening, make sure you guys go and follow Shems. Uh, what, what is your Instagram handle? Is uh, at Shems Heart. At Shem's heart. All right. So we'll make sure we put that out there at, at the very minimum, guys, make sure you go and give a follow to Shem so that you know about the mm. great stuff that he's doing. Cause I've been watching you for a few years now, man. And the way that you're showing up, there's, there's still too few men who do their work and, and their life the way that you do, man. So mm. a, lot, a lot of love and respect your way. Hey brother. Thank you. And, and right back. I see you honor you. Appreciate you, my brother. Yeah. All right, man. Much love until the, until chapter three. Much <laughs> <Arch> love. <laughs> All right, y'all, make sure you swing over to risingman.org to get the links and resources and everything else we mentioned in this episode and every episode. Risingman.org is where it's at. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us that five-star review if you're on iTunes or Spotify. Wherever you're listening to us, please drop us those five stars and a lovely review so that we can keep rising the charts. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. If you're only listening to the podcast on the audio version, you're missing out on a whole bunch of other amazing content at our YouTube channel and on our Instagram page. If you don't follow us there, check us out at rising man movement. Shout out to everybody out there, everybody who's listening, all the ears whose attention I have for just a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. appreciate you. Keep supporting the movement. And together we rise. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny. Mm